It's Thursday, June 18th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, the one and only Bill Barker. Good to see you, my friend. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. We've got automotive news. We've got fintech news. We are going to save the baseball season at the end of this episode, but we're going to start today with groceries. First quarter profits and revenue for Kroger came in higher than expected. Shares down a little bit today, although I, I don't know. I, I feel like if you're a Kroger shareholder, you got to be pretty happy with the quarter they just put up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a good quarter, uh, but not a game-changing quarter. And I think that's uh, maybe why the market isn't reacting as enthusiastically as I certainly would have expected uh, in response to a very, very good quarter. Uh, the other thing that might be muting enthusiasm for the stock uh, is no update uh, on guidance and, and for sort of a business that's doing as well as this and is likely to be seeing rather consistent uh, results at the moment, you might expect that they could go ahead and give some guidance. Um, I don't know whether that's uh, taking something off the stock today or not, but it's uh, a mild surprise, I guess. Digital sales up 92%. That's not surprising given all of the various companies on the spectrum of retail that have come out over the last few months and they give their quarterly report and everybody's digital sales are up big. So, that's not a big surprise. But I'm curious if you think that long-term, this helps Kroger, um, if this maybe boosts their uh, same-store sales growth, even incrementally, just because it seems like one of those things where you know people get in a routine with grocery shopping, if they're going to be um, establishing an additional routine, um, then maybe that helps Kroger down the line. Maybe they are sort of unwilling again to provide guidance on whether the increased use of uh, at-home cooking is, is going to become uh, a trend or something that's uh, in any way sustainable. Uh, so, they're open to that idea and they're hoping that's the case, I'm sure. Uh, but we don't really know right now. Uh, everything is in flux. And uh, they did a couple of things that maybe muted sort of the bottom line. Uh, one, they, they note in their sort of bullet points that start off the uh, report. So, these are the things I think are maybe most important, at least in terms of numbers, that they invested $183, sorry, $830 million um, to safeguard associates, uh, customers, communities. So, that's all the, the increased uh, safety measures, the plexiglass. Um, you know, I don't know how many hundred million dollars it, it costs to put the little arrows on the floor for the aisles as to which direction you're supposed to go. I think it's mostly, you know, uh, the increased cost, uh, the increased pay that they're providing uh, their associates and, and the workers as um, some level of compensation for the risks that uh, they're taking on. Uh, they've also bulked up their their pension plan. So I think that they've sort of raised the floor. They've they've Worked down some debt, uh, and I think they've improved uh, the position they'll be in when times are tougher by having sort of paid some things ahead now when when they can. Uh, but I don't know that the ceiling is really all that much different for the for the company. They they have the digital sales. They they have to be there. There's extremely competent uh, competition uh, against them uh, on the digital side, though. So, 
the mere fact that they're up 92% may not, may not be enough. The stock of the day is Wirecard. Wirecard is a payments company based in Germany. And it's the stock of the day because it is down more than 60%. Wirecard delayed their annual report. And I'm going to quote directly from the Wall Street Journal story um, because uh, the auditor said it had been deceived over evidence of $2.1 billion in cash balances which sounds like an overly complicated way of saying, hey, you guys are missing $2 billion on your cash balance sheet. Where did that go? This seems horrible. This, this, I mean, you and I were talking earlier today. Company X comes out and says, we're delaying the release of our annual report. With no other information, that stock is down 15%. Yeah, now, on I, top of it, we got the whole, oh, by the way, there might be fraud. There, <laughs> We might be missing some cash. Uh, you know, I think you have to think to the examples of, say, uh, someday, perhaps um, you may have experienced this, where your, your, your spouse says, hey, there's this much in the bank account. Why, why isn't there more? And you say, oh, I, I forgot to tell you, I, I you know bought a thing or, or something like that. Or, uh, yeah, the, when there's $2 billion less in the bank account than they're supposed to be in, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. And uh, yeah. yeah, but I'll just add that if you or your spouse buy something, yes, there's less money in the bank account, but presumably you have whatever is that thing you purchased. This appears to be a case where $2 billion is gone and they have nothing to show for it. Well, you might have bought it like a vacation that you forgot to mention. Oh, <laughs> I forgot to tell you, my buddies and I went off to Vegas, and well, I can't give you the details, but there's less in the account, right? Because what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, so you're really not allowed to fill that in. And and here too, the details need to be filled in, and there seems to be a series of articles, I think, in the Financial Times uh, that are alleging uh, some fraudulent uh, accounting going back into 2019. Um, So, this is, uh, you know, one of these uh, tech payment companies that was the darling of the German uh, stock market for a while. It's now lost 75% of its uh, uh, stock market value. And, you know, where where fraud starts, you you may see that the, it's going to lose even more than that. I I wouldn't doubt that they're in for significantly tougher times uh, than what they're experiencing today. You think back a couple of months to what happened with Luck and Coffee and the fraud there, leading to all sorts of people asking the question and all sorts of articles asking the question: Should we just swear off of? Chinese stocks? Should we just avoid Chinese stocks altogether? It's going to be interesting to see if we now see a raft of similar questions and articles. Should we just avoid all German stocks? I don't think we're going to, but no. uh, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see. No, I don't, I don't think that's the first stop uh, that many will go on um, since uh, a German organization is usually uh, held up as something that the country's pretty proud of. So, um, I think that uh, this is a seemingly much more disorganized company than its brethren in the German market. And uh, I think that there probably will be more questions um, 
asked of other sort of digital payment companies and uh, a little bit more scrutiny on those in general does you know does this kind of behavior apply in the rest of the industry uh, is a worthwhile question I, I'm not saying in any way that it does but I think that's to me uh, the, the 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 group the focus group that I would look to before looking at German companies as a whole I'll just close with some comments from Marcus Braun, who's the CEO at Wirecard. He, you know, God bless him. He's trying to reassure investors, um, but I don't think his follow-up statement actually accomplished that because, and I'm quoting here, he said, it is currently unclear whether fraudulent transactions to the detriment of Wirecard have occurred. Wirecard will file a complaint against unknown persons. Uh, that's a nice try, but that is not filling anyone with confidence. No, we don't know who's at fault here or how bad it is, but we'll we'll file a lawsuit for sure. Is or, or at at the very least a strongly worded letter. Uh, let's move on to Ford Motor, um, who uh, came out uh, saying Ford Motor is going to offer hands-free driving. Um, in its uh, new model of the, uh, the Mustang, uh, which is the Mustang Mach-E. It is an all-electric crossover. Um, here's the curious part, though. The Mustang Mach-E goes on sale later this year. The software that enables the hands-free driving is not going to be available until the fall of 2021. Let's just go ahead and assume that they actually hit that target, that it actually is available in the fall of 2021. Does that strike you at all as odd that they would come out and say something like, like, why are you doing this? <laughs> uh, without knowing anything about the automotive industry and how the sequence of developments uh, goes, I would imagine, you know, Tesla updates the software on its cars. You're your phone probably inflicts uh, a certain amount of automatic uh, updates on you. Uh, it, it, there is the ability to produce the hardware today that is good enough to do much of what you want the thing to do uh, and the software to follow, which will make it hopefully even better. Uh, I understand, you know, in, in terms of driverless software capabilities, I would expect people to be skeptical until uh, this is really proven out. So maybe this is another question to ask why, why if, if, if the car is going to be able to do this, why don't you wait until the whole thing's ready? But in the meantime, you get to drive a, a Mach-E. I mean, you're, you're passing over that. How fast is that thing going? Do you think it's going as fast as the Mustang Mach 5? Uh, well, see, the, I don't think there was. I think there was a Mustang Mach 1. And, of course, there is a Mach 5, but that's Speed Racer's car. Okay. I don't think Mustang has actually produced them. I don't think they have the guts to produce a Mach 5. You're calling out Ford Motor? <laughs> and, and everybody who loves Fords. Yeah, that's a big crowd I might be taking on. But yeah, you've got opinions about this. You're a big Speed Racer fan. I've, I've never in my life watched Speed what? Racer. Not the, not the ill-fated movie, nor the series itself, no. Were I don't. you not raised in America? Or is this, oh, the, the main, when did it get its um, um, independence as a, um, from Canada? It was the was late 90s. Late 90s? <laughs> so yeah. they, they didn't allow Speed Racer there? 
Yeah, it, it took a while. We had to get bootleg uh, VHS tapes. Um, you know, you you raise an interesting point in terms of like the phones. I did and not sort of, raise an interesting point. There was no, a I actually think you did. Okay. No one's more surprised than I am. Um, <laughs> But if you think about sort of like phones updating, I think I think you're right. Like we we are going to get to the point where you know Tesla is already there with sort of updating its car software. Um, you know, presumably Ford is going to get there with this. But when you think about consumer technology and how there are those enthusiasts, there are those people who line up outside the building so they can get the latest iPhone or the latest Samsung Galaxy phone. It's going to be interesting to see. Who are the people who want to be among the first to um, to try out driverless cars, to try out the you know the the hands-free driving, and really make that work? Because to your point, like I think you and I and many others are sort of in the camp of uh, no. When it comes to driving, I'm going to let other people test that out, prove that out before I decide to do it myself. Um, and so. You know, it's just going to be interesting to see how big that market is. How how big is the addressable market of people who want to be first in line to go with hands-free driving? Yeah, well, there's going to be way more regulatory uh, checks and balances on on the hands-free technology than there is on you know the, the standard driving that we're used to. Um, and uh, they're about, I think, it's been a pretty consistent about a hundred deaths a day uh, on the U.S. highways and for for decades uh, it's it's gone down pretty dramatically in terms of the number of miles driven driving gets safer and safer cars get safer um, I think the introduction of, of uber's platform has eliminated a lot of the most dangerous driving uh, that being drunk driving but uh, we're used as a society to a hundred deaths a day going more or less unnoticed uh, on our highways and you know the the first several uh, deaths that occur uh, with this technology will all be international stories which will uh, both slow down you know the progression of it but also I think to you know on the plus side going to require extremely high levels of, of competence in the technology uh, to clear society's hurdles so um, you know I, I your grandkids aren't going to drive a car, right? They're not, they're not, they, they may learn that like the way people learn to sail or something, um, as, as, a, a thing that, that you can learn to do, but basically nobody else, not a, a large chunk of people bother to learn it. Right. I guess we'll see. You know, they don't exist at the moment, thankfully. And uh, your grandkids, <laughs> my grandkids, yeah. Um, but but there, you know, there's a probability of their arrival more or less on on schedule. I, I could probably come up with a a year off the top of my head where you'll be a grandfather, and um, I'm willing to do so. You having started the show by accusing me of being 97, um, <laughs> so maybe we'll go there. Let's wrap up with this, um, because a week ago on this show, Dan Klein and I were talking about Major League Baseball, and Dan, at the time, a week ago, which really, realistically, that's like three months ago, but a week ago, Dan was very confident there was going to be a Major League Baseball season. Um, let's go with this scenario, because more so than any of the other major sports in America, uh, baseball, the the Players Union, and uh 
the commissioner, the owners are, are at odds more so than the other sports. So one thing that has been raised is the possibility of arbitration. So that's the scenario I want to set up because not only are you one of the biggest baseball fans I know, uh, you're a smart guy. You went to the University of Yale. Uh, you finished top of your class at uh, University of Virginia Law School. Um, so y- let's pretend you're the arbiter. Rob Manfred, Commissioner of Major League Baseball, Tony Clark, head of the Players Union, they come to you and they say, Bill, whatever you decide, that's what we're going to do. You get to decide the terms and the schedule and how many games and all of that. What do you come up with? How do you make Major League Baseball work in 2020? Well, I'd, I'd go for an 81 game schedule, uh, half of the usual. And I would basically start with give me the data on what the revenue split between owners and players uh, was uh, over the last year and the last three years. And we'll, we'll start with that as something that people seem to feel was fair, uh, fair enough to go ahead and play baseball in the past. And, you know, there may be some, some mild adjustments to that because uh, the revenue is, 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 is going to be in different buckets. It's mostly going to be in TV, uh, maybe all TV and radio. Um, and whether fans attend a baseball game or not, I don't know. So, there's there's obviously massively decreased revenue from the stadiums and that has to be borne by both sides but if you can if you can split up the revenue in roughly the same way that it was split going into this uh and you know the the profits it's a little different i mean the the players revenue is more or less profit and the, the owners have got all the expenses but i i think you can I, I think everybody ends up making enough money to, to go ahead and do this and maybe you call this a one, one-off thing um, that isn't the new math that dictates the future because I, that's, that's a, a bigger chunk of what the problem is. Not, not so much how to divide up today's pile of money, but not to use today as a precedent for tomorrow. You just saved the baseball season. <laughs> A grateful nation thanks you. Bill Barker, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week.